Oh, hi. I'm Jimmy. This is my mom, and this is my dad, and this is my dog. Oh, I have a sister, too, and I love Kids Coast. I've been going there for a while now, and I can't wait to tell you about all the things that are changing. Kids Coast has a whole new look that's a lot of fun. But that's not all. There's other cool stuff, too. We're learning in brand new ways. My sister's in preschool, and she gets to use this app called the Bible app for kids. It's a part of their lessons. We aren't just learning new things in new ways, though. Kids Coast is really serious about getting our parents involved in what we're learning. Hey, moms and dads. Believe it or not, your kids will love it when you're involved in their lives. Boy, you didn't hear that from me. The app is great. My sister likes it a lot. So do my parents. I love hanging out with my friends in small group. That's them. They're pretty cool. I get to meet up with them every week, just like my parents get to meet up with their small group, too. Being a part of a small group in Kids Coast really makes me feel like I'm a part of Seacoast. I love Kids Coast. So do your kids. We can't wait for you to love it, too. All right, somebody give it up for Jimmy's dance moves. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Y'all did not know that dance moves were an essential part of our Kids Coast curriculum. We're restoring some rhythm to the body of Christ. So we're excited about that. My name is Josh Walters, and I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and I want to welcome you to the Kids Coast Takeover Weekend. Here in Mount Pleasant, across all of our campuses, we've had children handing out worship guides, greeting folks up on stage, leading us in worship, kids here doing the open and close, and I know for some of you, it's so exciting. You had cameras out, you're like, oh, this is so sweet, the kids are so cute. But then for some of you, if you were honest, you may have never said this, the words wouldn't actually come out of your mouth, but if you were being honest, you don't really like kids. <laughs> and uh, you were thinking, man, like it's been a long week. You, you rolled up in here feeling like, man, I needed church this weekend. I even brought a friend with me. Then they put all these kids up on the stage, man. Hijacked my worship experience. Well, I wanna invite you to stay with us. <laughs> I'm believing God has something great in store for us. It's gonna be a good weekend. I wanna start off by asking you a question. How many of you remember someone that you looked up to when you were young? Remember somebody, maybe it was a, a neighbor or a coach, family friend of some kind, a teacher. For me, I'm reminded of a guy named Charlie Harrell. He's a Marine, he served with my dad. He was a Sunday school teacher at our church, lived around the corner from us, and there were a couple years, second, third, fourth grade, that I, I hated Charlie, I couldn't stand him. And that's because at the time, I really liked rap music. And on most of the CDs that I wanted, there was this little label on the bottom that said, parental advisory, explicit lyrics. And I don't know if my mom didn't know what that meant or not, but, uh, or I was being like, mom, these lyrics are explicit. It's the best one, we need to get them. But she would buy me the CDs. And so, it was all good, I learned like you don't play them on the CD in the house because if the parents hear the words and then take the CDs, so I would throw them in my disc man. Does anybody remember that? Yep, so I'd have it in my disc man, rolling, you gotta keep it flat, don't turn it sideways. You know, start skipping on you. So I'm walking around, listening to my, listening to my rap music, a little swag going, so just excited about it, but then Charlie would come over and he was pretty diesel dude and he'd come in my room, hey man, what's up, what's up, wrestle with me a little bit he'd see these CDs, and so he'd pin me down on the bed with one hand and be packing up my CDs, and then he would take them. <laughs> and say, if you want them back to be in a box in my attic, you can fight me for them. I was like, man, gosh. So I couldn't stand it, but something happened about fifth grade where I realized 
Charlie's heart for me was good, that he loved me. He wouldn't let me do stuff that wasn't gonna lead to life. I looked up to him because of that. Well, this weekend, Kids Coast Takeover Weekend, we had a lot of rehearsals up here at the church. Kids have been learning those worship moves for weeks. I brought Abel up here one morning to kind of walk through. He did the open and close here at the Mount Pleasant campus, and so we were gonna come up one night to work on it, but I thought, you know what? This is a perfect opportunity to let him skip school one morning. He's doing God's work. That'll be fine. So we come up here one morning, and, and first I walked through him with him physically. We walked up on the stage, and I showed him where to stand. And so, all right, remember, you don't just look at daddy. There's gonna be people. You gotta look at people. Uh, what to do with your legs. Talked about you can use your hands with your mouth and kind of help communicate stuff. And so we walked through that. Then we went down, and he walked up and just worked on what he was gonna say. And he got that down, and then I was like, buddy, you ready to put it all together? He's like, yeah, dad, I'm ready, 100%. I'm like, wow, okay, here we go. So, so he walked up, and as he was walking up on stage, I pulled out my phone to record him. And while I was standing down there and he was up here, I had this weird, like, father-son, man-boy moment <laughs> where I realized that even though he's eight, man, soon and very soon, I'm gonna platform him in some way to step into and become the man that God's created him to be, whether that's as a, a pastor or a husband or a father or a professional of some kind. It reminded me much of the season that I'm in now personally. Pastor Greg planted Seacoast nearly 30 years ago. And when he first planted this church, man, they sacrificed a lot as a family. No more Christmases, no more Easter's, Mother's Day, Father's Day with their families because they were here leading services, planting a church. Pastor Greg would drive through neighborhoods, praying over homes, and families that were new to Mount Pleasant, praying that they would encounter the power and presence of God and find a home here at Seacoast. And here now, 30 years later, he's in the prime of his ministry. Man, his teaching is as relevant and strong as it's ever been. His voice is as needed as it's ever been in leadership. And when he could be here just enjoying the work that God's done, he's platforming leaders like Pastor Josh and myself and many other leaders here at Seacoast. And you have had to endure our messages, and so I wanna thank you for <laughs> giving me the opportunity to grow, you know what I'm saying? But I had this moment where I, I thought about Charlie, I thought about the season that I'm in, I looked at my son standing up on this stage, and I couldn't help but question, have I given him everything that he needs to succeed? What's my, my plan for growth for him? I heard a statistic this week that 90% of evangelical Christians believe that their children will grow to know, love, and follow Jesus, but only 30% of them have a plan. And so I started to ask myself, like, what are we doing? What am I doing? What is my plan? There's a lot of stuff we're doing, but if we sat down and you said, well, Josh, tell me the plan, I, I don't have it scripted to where I could cast vision to you and tell you what we're doing and what we hope it creates, but I can tell you this, you are a critical part of it. Now, some of y'all are thinking like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a reason that we didn't have kids or that we had one or two kids. Just because you don't know how to stop having kids does not mean that I am gonna help you <laughs> raise them, okay? I'm not talking about personally, talking about us as a church, as the body of Christ, as the family of God. What is our plan collectively? Knowing that part of the reason that God chose you to live in this place and this time is that you might see, pray for, pursue, invest in, and raise up the next generation. 
So today we're gonna be looking at a parable from Matthew chapter 13. We've been in a series called A Year in the Word, where every week we kicked off the year giving you a reading plan. Uh, to this next week's readings are on the back of your, your worship guide. There's also a website there that you can download it if you're new and you'd like to join in with us. But then on the weekend, we're looking at a passage from the previous week's reading. And today, in Matthew chapter 13, it was from this past Friday's reading, and it's called The Parable of, of the Sower. And a parable is essentially when Jesus would take something that people were familiar with and hold it up beside something that they were not familiar with to help them understand it. And here in, in Matthew chapter 13, at the top of your outline, it starts like this. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So these folks are living in an agrarian society. They're, they're used to seeing farmers sow seed and it, it reap a harvest, so Jesus was talking about something they were familiar with to then help them understand something about the kingdom of God. And to give you some context, Jesus is standing on the shore. There's hundreds, if not thousands of people that have gathered around him, and so he gets into a boat, pushes out from shore a little bit so that he can talk to them, and then he starts talking about this farmer. Later on in Matthew chapter 13, when he interprets this parable for the disciples, they asked him, like, Jesus, why do you always talk to us with these parables? What is this about? And Jesus would tell them that, listen, if you don't get this parable, you're not gonna get any of them. This is one of the most important ones because it presents the heart of God, the role of Jesus, the, the power of the word, and the potential for those of us who receive it to experience abundant life in Christ. He said, man, this is one of the most important parables. In fact, this one's mentioned in three of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And, and many aren't, but since it's repeated multiple times and gospel shows us, that man, there's something special about this one. So Jesus begins to tell this story and he presents four different kinds of soils, each of which represent four different kinds of people that were present there in Jesus' day that are also present in our day. The first kind of soil was on the rocky path. And this is folks where seed has been scattered, but man, there's a lot of people walking on the path. There's a lot of rocks. They just don't receive the word. The seed is the word of God. And it's sown on the path, and they're, just, they're not interested. They don't understand it. Then there's some people who the, the seed is sown, and they get excited. They receive it joyfully. But come Tuesday or Wednesday, life gets, gets busy and they, they struggle to apply God's word to their everyday lives. Then there's some people who are maybe focused on other things, consumed with the worries of this world, pursuing material gain, and, and they're receptive of, of God's word, but because they're focused on other things, they don't really apply it to their lives. And then there's those that have good soil. And when they receive the word of God, it yields a harvest, 30, 60, 100 fold. And so today as we question, both individually for you, uh, for those of you that are parents, but also as a church, what is our plan for raising up the next generation, for cultivating good soil, that God's word might be planted and reap a harvest in their lives? Jesus gives us three principles for growth, the first of which is there on your outline. 
The sower's job is essential, but the power is in the seed. The sower's job is essential, but the power is in the seed. I have this seedling toad here that uh, old school farmers would use to sow seed. And I want you to get a, a picture in your mind with me of, of Jesus. Okay, the role of the farmer is essential. Without the farmer coming out to sow seed, there is no harvest, okay? And so in our world today, scripture says, we therefore are Christ's ambassador as though God were making his appeal through us. He sent you and me into our homes, into our workplaces, into our community, and at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much of the good news we've stored up in our heart, how much of it we know in our mind, if we're not sowing seed, then we're not going to reap a harvest. The role of the farmer is essential, but the power is in the seed. Isaiah 55, there on your outline, says it this way. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth <clears throat> and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. What Isaiah is saying here is that the word of God will not return void. It's one of the things I love most about the series we're doing this year, A Year in the Word. There's a lot of good stuff that you could do or maybe are doing for your life this year. Maybe you're pursuing some fitness goals. Uh, you've started working out, you've started walking. Uh, maybe you've changed up your diet, you're eating healthier. You're gonna lose some weight, you're gonna feel better. That's gonna be great. Maybe some of you went through FPU, you made some financial goals, got out of debt, you're getting your home in order. Maybe you made some relational goals for uh, you and your spouse. You're gonna start having a date night each week. You're gonna do some things to cultivate healthy relationships. All of that stuff is good. But for any of you that have been around for a while, you know that, man, there are years where you lose weight and there's years you gain weight. There's years where you save money or make money and there's years where you, where you lose money. But the only thing that you can do that will not return void is planting God's word in your heart which is not easy. It's the hard work of showing up and being faithful, opening up his word and going after God. And for some of you that have joined us in this reading plan, man, you've been in Leviticus for a month. You've learned more about sores and discolored hair and stuff. You're like, wow, is this gonna reap a harvest? You know, I need a Band-Aid for my eyes, help me, you know? But his word does not return void. How many of you that are either, either parents or maybe work in children's ministry or youth workers, how many of you have ever been faithful at sowing seed, sowing the word of God into the life of a young person and you're questioning, are they hearing anything that I'm saying? Anybody got a testimony there? Okay. We all do, which is why we need the second principle for growth there on your outline. Cast seed on any ground without judging the readiness or response of the soil. Cast seed on any ground without judging the readiness or response of the soil. You know, as a parent, the, the child that I ask that question the most of is, is he hearing anything that I'm saying is my son Asher. As a pastor, there has never been a person in all the world I've wanted to lay hands on more, uh, if you know what I'm saying, than him. So we'll go to Mimi and Peepaw's house, who are my, my parents, and they do such a good job of wildly spoiling our kids. They have more toys in Mimi and Peepaw's than they could ever, ever play with. And so each time we go there, I'll say, all right, Asher, buddy, I want you to remember, the blessing of us going to Mimi and Peepaw's is hanging out with Mimi and Peepaw. And so this time when we go, let's, 
let's maybe give an hour, one hour, before you ask Peapod to take you anywhere. Because he's made a list. I want to go to Toys R Us. I want to go to Target. I want to go to Walmart. I want to go to Lowe's for the Build-A-Friend workshop. I want to, I want, I want, I want, I want. I was like, no, 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 let's not do that. So each time we get there, man, I'm telling you, it hadn't been 10 minutes. And most of it's been going to the bathroom and getting a snack, and somehow he's weaseled his way into asking Peapod to take him somewhere. Well, this week, as we're preparing for Kids Coast Takeover, my girls were part of the, the worship team and Abel doing open and close. Everybody was kind of doing something, and Asher wasn't doing anything. And I saw him kind of getting a little bit of an attitude, and I thought maybe he was jealous or something, so I thought this was gonna be a moment. So I say, Asher, buddy, what's, what's going on? What's wrong? And he says, Daddy, I don't, I don't wanna be that Asher anymore. I wanna do something special for Peepaw. See, in his mind, Abel, the girls leading worship, all of that was for my dad, who's coming at the 1130 service, and Asher didn't have anything he was doing. And man, I'm gonna tell you, it's as if God pulled back the curtain of his heart for just a minute, and let me see this like tiny <laughs> sliver of good soil. <laughs> and I was like, yes, you know? As a dad, I can live for another, I got another five years in me easy, just knowing, like there's some there, I'm gonna keep sowing, baby. I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep going. Mark 4 there on the outline says it this way. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or get up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel of the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come all by itself, the soil produces grain. Man, in the life of our kids, we're constantly questioning, is anything going on underneath the surface beyond what I can see? And the same is true in our lives. But we have to sow seed without judging the readiness or response of the soil. The timing is up to God. And it will not return void, it will reap a harvest. You know, when I first read this parable, I was frustrated. So I was like, man, Jesus, don't sow seed on the, on the path. People gonna walk on it. That's not gonna grow. Duh, Jesus, you know? Don't sow it on the rocky ground. Save the seed for the good soil. But then I got this, this, this picture in my mind of fertilizing your yard. You know, when you're fertilizing your yard, the goal isn't to not get any fertilizer on the sidewalk. The goal is to get fertilizer on every bit of the ground so that your yard will grow. So then I just got this picture of Jesus just being a mess, just sowing seed all over the place. Getting all over the path, fertilizing the sidewalk, splashing, tripping up people in response time, <laughs> all over the place. Seed can't grow on a stage, Pastor Josh, you know? But Jesus just making a mess. And it reminded me of my own life. Man, I'm so thankful that when I was in eighth grade, ninth grade, when I was going to church but living a life so far from God, that he positioned men and women in my life to sow seed, that when my heart finally became open to him, I knew exactly what it looked like to know, love, and follow Jesus because people have been faithful at sowing the word of God into my life without judging the readiness or response of my soil. How many of you are thankful that Jesus made a mess sowing seed in your life. We have to do it without judging the readiness or response of the soil. Man, there was a peanut in there. How did that happen? <laughs> All right, so three principles of growth. 
The sower's job is essential, but the power's in the seed. Cast seed on any ground without judging the readiness or response of the soil. Number three there on the back of your outline. We have to trust in the seed and the season. Trust in the seed and the season. We can be confident in the seed, the word of God, that it will not return void, but we also have to trust the season. See, in agriculture, the season is fixed. There's a, a time of year for planting and a time of year for reaping. There's some things that you just don't plant off season because they simply will not grow. But in the kingdom of God, it is always harvest season. Scripture says that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Galatians 6, 9 there on your outline says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up, if we do not give up. We've gotta keep showing up to faithfully cast seed, not judging the readiness or response of the soil, knowing that by our faithfulness, by our persistence, that God is gonna show up, and at just the right time, we're gonna reap a harvest if we don't give up. It's crazy for me to think about the power of season. 30 years ago, Seacoast Church was not here. What is today such a critical part of my life, my faith, my marriage, my parenting, the raising up of my kids, 30 years ago, it was not here. It's foolish for us to think that 30 years from now, it will be here just because it's here today. Which makes it all the more important that in this season, we pull back from all of the exciting things happening here, our personal involvement and in worship here, to really be intentional at looking at what are we doing, not just as parents, but individually and as a church, to see, pursue, invest in, and raise up the next generation. When I asked you as we got started, how many of you remembered someone that you looked up to when you're young? I bet many of those people uh, were folks that were not family members. <clears throat> Folks that God had positioned in your life to see you and love you and invest in you. So in this season in particular, that's what we've been asking. Trusting that God got us here and trusting that long after we're gone, he's gonna continue to wanna do a work in this place, but we've had to ask, okay, God, what is our plan? What are we doing as a church? So before we conclude today, I wanna introduce you to Jen Cameron, who is our children's pastor here at Seacoast. She's been doing a lot of work with the team across all of our campuses to help us really answer that question. So y'all give her a hand as she comes. Thank you, ma'am. Now, Jen uh, started on our staff here as my, uh, my assistant, which was a special, <laughs> takes a special woman to do that. But uh, after about a year, um, she stepped into this role as our children's pastor. And what's unique to that for her is that she's got a, a background in Wall Street and business, been very uh, wealthy, successful in her own right, and now children's pastor. <laughs> so, so help us reconcile what happened there. Well, God has a sense of humor. That's what I'll say first. Um, I was not raised in a Christian home, and in fact, my parents became serious about their faith after I had moved out of the house. So I was off to boarding school and university and a job on Wall Street, um, pursuing the things that the world had to offer. I wanted multiple homes and a nanny and cars and status and things like that. And that was really where my focus was for a long time. And then a few years after I was married, my husband's friend invited us to go to church with he and his wife one weekend. And uh, my husband was excited. He wanted to go just to honor the friendship and the promise that he made. And I said, well, I'll go, but I'm only going once, and that's it. And during the service that weekend, the pastor said something about putting people and things ahead of our relationship with God. 
And it was the first time that it hit me that my priorities were messed up and there was more to this life than what I was experiencing. I didn't give my life to Christ that weekend, but I did join a women's small group and started studying God's word and I started doing life with women who were different than any that I had met before. And the way they were loving their husbands and parenting their kids and living generously struck me. And I realized that the difference was their relationship with Christ. And so I gave my life to Christ and nothing has been the same since then. Um, it's just been an exciting time. Um, but I'm really passionate about Kids Coast because I get to work with people every day who invest in children so that those kids can have a relationship with Christ and don't have to waste all the years that I did finding out what their purpose was and where their identity comes from. That's great. I love two things about that. One, that you joined a women's group before you were a believer. Small groups are a big part of our church and for many of you that question like receiving God's word in your heart, you need to know that it's okay for you to belong before you believe because it may well be that some of those voices of more are gonna be found around you just as you take some steps to further question and consider God's word. But I also love that for you, just as a, a believer, even though you hadn't grown up really having those seeds planted in your heart, that in raising your children, because of the change God did in your life, you said, man, we're gonna raise them differently, that they would be exposed to his word. So talk with me since you stepped into this role. I know you and the, the Kids Coast team across all of our campuses have been busy. Tell us a little bit about what you've been up to. It's been a great season. Uh, when I took this role about a year ago, um, all of the Kids Coast staff at our different campuses, we got together and we decided we weren't going to make any immediate changes, but we were going to look at best practices. We wanted to know what were other churches doing well that was really impacting the lives of kids and families. And what was Kids Coast doing that was special that we wanted to preserve, but what needed to change because of the growth of our church. So we looked at security, we looked at policies and procedures and the best curriculums and how we modeled our classrooms every weekend. And then about six months later, we started to make some changes, a lot of them behind the scenes, but there are a lot of things that are visible now, and even this weekend, we're showcasing some of those, and we're excited about it. I love it. So tell me where we landed in terms of like mission, vision, what is Kids Coast about? I'm excited about the vision because it's so aligned with what Seacoast is doing as a church. We exist to help people find God, grow their faith, discover their purpose, and make a difference. And in Kids Coast, we're gonna be very intentional about partnering with parents to help children do the same things. The reason we wanna partner with parents is because they have the greatest influence in their children's lives. There's a study that actually says if a child is attending church regularly, that they're in church about 40 hours a year, but the parents actually have about 3,000 hours with their children, um, it's called hang time. So anytime their children are not in school or they're not asleep. So that time, meal time, bedtime, car time, we want that to be intentional conversations about faith. And so we are going to be very um, intentional about partnering with the parents so that we can work together to have the greatest impact in the lives of kids. I love that. I think one of the best things about us having a shared vision in terms of Seacoast mission and the Kids Coast mission is much like we saw in the roll-in with Jimmy is that he's getting to experience a small group with friends himself each week while he watches mom and dad go off to a small group as well. And so from a young age, he's gonna have no question about what does it look like for me to live in community, for me to be authentic and transparent with my faith. So it very much is helping them become fully devoted followers of Christ. So talk to me about practically on a weekend. What does it look like on any given weekend in a Kids Coast environment? Well, for kids, it looks like an amazing worship experience, much like you saw this morning. 
Uh, it's also a very exciting and engaging, interactive, large group lesson about God's principles. And then we break up into small groups with consistent leaders so the kids have a safe place to belong and process what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Um, for parents, it means that we are going to be very intentional about providing weekly and monthly information about what's going on in the Kids Coast classrooms and resources about cultural things that your kids are going to be exposed to, how to talk to them about these things, and make faith part of everyday life. Our custom ministry has done an amazing job communicating with parents through their Parent Connect newsletter. And I'm excited to say that Kids Coast is going to have a Parent Connect, which is going to start next month. So that's gonna be great. That's great. Well, one of the best things about this weekend is that we're not uh, platforming or celebrating something in faith of what we hope is gonna be awesome. <laughs> but there's already hundreds of, of people across all of our campuses serving every single week a part of this dream team to raise up and impact and influence the next generation. So in addition to just hearing about it from Jen, I wanted us to take just a minute so that you could see it yourself. During the week, I serve as an executive at East Cooper Medical Center. I am a fellowship coordinator for cardiology at MUSC. I'm a senior at Wando High School. I am a school counselor at Drayton Hall Elementary. I'm actually a nurse at a local hospital. But on the weekends, I actually serve as a small group and large group leader here in Kids Coast for fourth and fifth grade boys. On weekends, I am the registration leader for Kids Coast here at James Island. I love it because I am able to give the parents confidence and ease that their children are going to be well taken care of. Every weekend, I serve in preschool as a service coordinator. What I love most about Kids Ghost is the relationships that you get to build with the kids. You know, just at four and five, they come in and they're a little timid at first, but they just feel that God's love when they first enter the room. I get to serve in the elementary uh, Kids Ghost room. I love being able to work in a small group with the kids, go over the weekly Bible verse, get to hear about how we can relate that Bible verse to their real life stories. I'm the Chief Financial Officer during the week and on the weekends I work in family registration at the Dream Center. I love being the first face that the families see when they come to the Dream Center. I love loving on the children and helping their families feel welcome and know that they are part of our church family. My name is Sherelle, and my husband and I, Dan, serve in Kids Coast on the weekend. During the week, he's a commercial banker, and I'm a stay-at-home mom. Uh, we've been serving in Kids Coast for two years now. Um, it's something that we love to do as a family. When I see the kids outside of church during, at stores or during the week or whatever, and they come up and give you a big hug, and it just shows that what you're doing in here for one hour really makes a positive impact on their lives. I started being a small group leader, and uh, it's awesome to see kids all the way from nursery through first through fifth grade, and then they end up in custom, and you see the growth and maturity in them. You see them go from making poor decisions to making wise decisions, and that's just so rewarding. It's just an amazing experience. I teach um, first through fifth grade at the James Allen campus. I absolutely love worship with the children at Kids Coast. Um, our favorite thing is when we come down front and just praise. It is absolutely so fun to see them. They're not nervous, they're not embarrassed. Um, the, the movements and the words, they're super excited. I serve as a small group leader with Kids Coast. I truly believe that this is the generation that's gonna make the change and we have to invest in them, pour love into them and pray for them and guide them. And I get the opportunity to do that with Kids Coast and being a small group leader. The reason that I serve in Kids Coast is because I always want to be a partner to families. 
Oftentimes, parents are looking for somebody, like a small group leader, to be able to speak into their children's lives. As a small group leader, if I'm saying the same messages that you're saying on a weekly basis, we can be a team and help to develop children into the young men and women that God needs them to be. That is awesome. I love it. Well, hey, while we've got Jen here with us, wanted to take just a minute as a church across all of our campuses and online, wherever you happen to be, to take a minute and pray for our team, for all those that serve and the future harvest we're believing God's gonna bring about through Kids Coast. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. One, that your word does not return void. And I'm thankful for every adult here in this room, across all of our campuses, that you are so faithful in sowing seed into our lives. And so I pray that for each of us somehow today, God, that you would cultivate in us a burden, a heart to see, to pursue, to pray for, to invest in the next generation, that decades might be spared from their lives of decisions that they would later regret as they get a vision for what it looks like to know, love, and follow you. So God, we pray into the future harvest, believing that if we are faithful to show up, if we are faithful into sowing the word of God into their lives, that it will not return void. So God, we pray for immeasurably more, immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine that the future community leaders, business owners, campus pastors, worship leaders, moms and dads that are gonna honor you with their life would be raised up now that an incredible harvest would come. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all give Jen a hand as she goes. Thank you so much. Excited about all God's doing in Kids Coast. Well, hey, there on the back of your outline, there's a space between the third point and next week's scriptures reading, and I got two questions for you as we close that I'd love for you to write down. The first question is, so what? <laughs> so what? Just go ahead and write that down. What does this have to do with me? You know, as we go back to this parable, Jesus presents a farmer in which he's the farmer sowing seed, the word of God, onto four different kinds of soil, representing four different kinds of people. You know, if I wanted to analyze the soil in my yard, they actually make technology for this now, a four-way soil analyzer. I can stick this in the ground, doesn't even require batteries, and it tells me everything that's going on underneath the surface. But you know, in my life and in your life, if we were to grab coffee and ask, like, how are things going on under the surface? Man, as believers, it's so easy for us to come to church each weekend or show up in, in small group and struggle to pause long enough to really ask that question, how is my heart? If you were to sit down and have a conversation with God today, knowing that you can't hide that, that he sees, that he knows, how are you doing? So the first so what is for you to really ask, okay, how is my heart? God, where am I with you? Knowing that a big part of me investing in the next generation, a big part of me handing them the good news and sowing it into their lives is me having it in mind. So how is your heart? Second question that I'd love for you to write down is so what? <laughs> S-O-W. So what? what? What kind of seed are you sowing? How are you investing the word of God into the next generation? As you came in today, there was a Kids Coast Connect card in every seat across all of our campuses. And, and maybe you are an Uber driver or in retail, a barista. Maybe you're some kind of executive or chief financial uh, officer or business owner of some kind, and if you're honest, you would never imagined until today the idea of you using an hour of your week to make a difference in the life of a child. And hey, I'm, I'm with you, I understand. 
When I first came on staff here at Seacoast, we had just finished The Thorn, which was a big Easter production that we did, and I played Satan in it the first year. <laughs> and so after The Thorn, they're like, well, hey, what are you gonna do now? How would you feel about coming to work with children? Because that's a really natural transition, you know? <laughs> he was Satan, he can work with kids, that'd be good. And so, and at the time, I was like, man, no way, I've got my own children's ministry at the house to run, you know? Got enough crafts and snack time going on that I can deal with. The idea of coming to work with kids. But man, I had been unemployed for a while. God had changed my heart, vision about it. And I'm telling you, it was one of the sweetest seasons of my life. It changed the way I parent. It changed the way I see kids in my neighborhood. And so for many of you today, so what? Man, I'm praying that in some way God has touched your heart about seeing and loving and pursuing the next generation because we need you. If Seacoast is gonna continue to reach people 30 years from now, those adults are sitting in our children's classrooms today. And you may well be the person that they think of years from now when they raise a hand about the person that they remember that made a difference in their lives. So it's not committing you to anything, but you filling out that card is just you saying, hey, God is speaking to me about that. I'd like to get some more information. You could drop those cards off at the offering box uh, as you leave, or your campus pastor will let you know where you can take them here in Mount Pleasant. We've also got tables set up in the breezeway. You could go and get some more information about what it might look like to serve in those ways. But so what? Man, maybe you're gonna sow the word of God into the life of a child. The second way you could sow what is not just using your, your time and talents, but by using your treasures. Today is commitment weekend here at Seacoast. And here in your worship guide, there's a, a commitment card. Two weeks ago, Pastor, Egg, Pastor Greg asked us to be praying about how we might give financially to Imagine. A big way of us reaching the next generation is us having room for the next generation. Right now, across all of our campuses, there's over 2,000 children that join us every single weekend, over 1,000 of which are here in the Mount Pleasant campus. And at the 10 o'clock service in particular, every week we'll have over 100 two and three-year-olds. That's a lot of goldfish, you know, and not many rooms, you know what I mean? There are a lot of kids. So a big part of Imagine, as, as adults move into a new worship center, our custom student ministry is gonna be moving into this room where every week over 500 students are coming for worship and small group. We're gonna have a large space for worship and then small group environments on the sides where one night when all of our campuses come, it's gonna be plenty of room for them to enjoy. And then our children's ministry, Kids Coast, is moving into the warehouse. And it's gonna go from one venue to a two-story room with extended classrooms for children of all ages. When I think about Katie and I coming here a decade ago, there was room for us, there was room for our kids because people like you had a vision to sacrifice and give financially. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, each man must decide in his heart what he'll give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for the Lord loves a cheerful giver. We don't believe in equal giving, but we do believe in equal sacrifice. And that as we come before God and just pray, God, what would you have me do? If anything, how would you have me get involved? That as we do whatever he's led us to, we're gonna have exactly what we need to accomplish what God is calling us to. This is one of the areas that I love talking about the most because practically it's the area that God has changed my heart, transformed me. I am one of the stingiest dudes I know. <laughs> and God paired me with a wildly generous woman. And man, it has been a process of fellowship and marriage, if you know what I'm saying but he's changed my heart because of it. To where last year, we don't ever write checks, but there were several checks that we wrote just because I wanted to see the amount written down that we would drop in the offering box and I'm just ugly crying. 
And some of y'all are thinking like, man, Pastor Josh really struggles with giving. You know, what's up with that? But it was because in giving, I remember the dude that I was 10 years ago and the heart that I have today. But man, it took baby steps of obedience, of, of taking ownership of the vision, of investing in the next generation. You know, these two questions, so what and so what, are another way of packaging two questions that we say here every weekend at Seacoast. What is God saying to you? And what are you gonna do about it? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this weekend. I, I again, just praise you, God. When I knew of you but was not living for you, that you positioned men and women in my life to give me a vision of what it looked like to know, love, and follow you. So I pray for each of us today, God, anyone who might sense your spirit leading, that we would respond in obedience and that you would do immeasurably more in us, through us, than we could have asked or imagined. Pray for all of those taking financial steps here on Commitment Weekend, God, that you would give them a vision of how they can invest financially and the impact that will make as we continue to grow and reach the next generation. God, I pray for each of us as believers. I like to think that I'm grown, but I know that I am a child of God and you as my father are molding and shaping me to become the, the son, the husband, the father, the pastor that you, you created me to be. So for each of us, God, wherever we happen to be, I pray that today we could have an honest moment of dialogue with you where we evaluate how we're doing. Where are we at receiving your word and allowing it to reap a harvest in our lives? God, we give you this time as we respond. In Jesus' name, amen.